Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. This episode features one of the three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it is broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival. The 8th annual New York City premiere will be October 2023, along with the 5th annual New York Cat Film Festival before traveling the country, supporting local animal welfare groups. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at TracyHotchnerPets.com. I would not be able to bring you this show without the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their kitties. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. This show would not be possible without the longtime support from Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food. Other pet food companies may have copied them over time, but Waruva remains privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards, not investors who focus on profits. Imagine my amazement when a most beautiful book arrived on my doorstep called What It Takes to Save a Life, A Veterinarian's Quest for Healing and Hope. And it was written by Dr. Quan Stewart, founder of Project Street Vet. And I thought, wait a minute, Quan wrote a book and never mentioned it? And I've interviewed him twice before? Talk about humble, Quan. You're amazing. I was so excited to get this book. And I thought, I met you in person. We talked for an hour. We've done two interviews on this show. One about your work with the homeless and their pets on the streets in California. And another on the fact that you're on the diversity committee of the California Medical Board, Veterinary Medical Association. Were you, were you keeping this book a secret? I'm sure it's not a secret <laughs> anymore, but I mean, how could you not mention No, no, and by the way, I've written like my life story about this entire situation. I don't know how to answer that. I, uh, I, I guess because I don't consider myself a writer, Wow, and and I'm a first time published author with this book. While I was excited, yes, I never felt like it was something I should be bragging about. Wow, <laughs> I, I, I probably let's get it out there and see what people think, and then wow. and then maybe I'll toot my own horn. Well, you are so not the own horn tooting person, and I just have to say the book is miraculous, and it's miraculous for me because having spent time with you in person, and then two pretty deep interviews and if anybody wants to go beyond buying the book and you got to buy the book this is going to be stories a, a man's story and the stories of the people that he helps that are unlike anything you've experienced before it it's 
really impressive how deep you dug and how just truthful you were about where your pain was and where your suffering was and how I think that enabled you to hold a mirror up to the people on the streets. And there, there's there been a feeling I've had, as, as you know, and people listening to the show have known, a feeling about homelessness, human homelessness, unhoused people, and our callousness and disregard and disrespect and even contempt for those people that disturbs me greatly because I've always had a sense, and your book brings this home in a very personal way, that as you say in the book, there but for the grace of God go I. How about a lot of people are one paycheck away from being homeless? It's something that we don't talk about enough, and you have made it your life's work now to confront it and look at people who've lost everything except for maybe their pet. And I think that it must be both sobering and humbling for you every day to do this and to have made this where you pivoted as a veterinarian and as a man and as a member of the community of humans. It's a, it's an extraordinary book, Quan, and I have even a deeper admiration for you than I already had to find out how deep the pain was that you had suffered as a veterinarian. I guess that's the kind of eye-opener for a lot of people. When I know you've already been doing a lot of interviews. Has that been a big surprise, a big light bulb moment for people interviewing you who may not know about the pressures and challenges of being a vet, the, the emotional ones? Yes, and I'll share a little story with you that I haven't shared uh, with anyone in, in sort of this um, interview uh, junket I've been yes. on. Yes. The when the when the publisher Harbor One approached me because they they had heard about me through some media article or some story and you know there's a number of them out there and they reached out and they said we we want you to put these stories of the streets into a book and we want to sponsor it and um, assist you and we'll give you an advance it was all these really cool things I just wasn't expecting if you'll just sit back write it and and put it on the pages. And I said, of course. In fact, I had already been doing this because it was a way for me to heal in some ways to, to write. I'm not, I'm not much of a writer, but I do enjoy writing. It's you are I've much done. of a writer, by the way. Just saying this, folks. <laughs> I thought, I don't think there's a ghostwriter here, but it sounds like the Quan that I have now feel I've come to know. So go ahead. You are much of a writer. Do go on. I, I just, you know, occasionally if some of these encounters I would have on the streets, I just put on paper. I, mm-hmm. It was a way for me to yes. to record it, to remember it, to feel it. And so I've been doing this for many years. And so when they came to me, it actually wasn't a, a major lift. I, it was just a matter of polishing some of them up. And then probably the biggest challenge was selecting my favorites because I have now had hundreds and hundreds of encounters on the streets with pretty remarkable people, beautiful pets, wonderful stories, emotion, and it, I just had to select my top 10. That was the hardest part, is, is finding my top stories and then creating and building them out and, and making a character out of the person I met and the dog. And that's what I did. So if anyone's visited my Instagram and you, you just see a snippet of some of those stories that make you cry, I've just expanded on those. But to go back to the publisher, they said, yeah, we want you to do this. I said, great. I wrote the stories. We got the first draft. And my editor came back and she said, and I, I get, I try to, I, I want to trust her when she says this to me. She said, I've been doing this a long time and it's very, very 
uh, rare for someone, especially for some author, to exceed my expectations. He's a wow. very hard critic. Wow. And you have um, ex- not only exceeded my expectations, but the entire staff here at Harper One. And she said, you know, originally we wanted to make this more of a of a dog or a pet um, book. Right. But she says, we- we've all read it now, and this is like a, a human book. It's about humanity. Yes. So we're, we're going to expand the scope of it. We're not going to... We're not going to frame this or advertise this as a dog book. It's going to be a book about humans and human healing uh, set against the backdrop of pets and our love for pets. And so that's where it went. And And I, I do think it will appeal to a lot of people because it, it goes beyond just animals, but it, it goes deep into our relationship with animals, how it's evolved over the years, and how animals in a lot of ways just save us and keep us connected. They are a thread. I believe they're a very important thread in our country because we're a pet loving nation. And, uh, you know, when you sit down with someone who owns a pet and loves her pet, you're almost immediately bonded with that person. You're friends, right? When, right. when they start talking about, you're at, you're at a, at a dog park and you're sitting next to somebody on the bench and they start talking about their dog and you start talking about your dog. You feel like you have a friend almost immediately. And so I went, I, I did go very, very deep. And here's the surprising part. I went very deep into myself and I didn't think I was going to do that. You talked about the pain of mm-hmm. some of the moments in my career, mm-hmm. I did have some low moments. I did at one point consider suicide, and I, I never thought I would talk about it so openly, but again, I think it was healing for me. I think it was healing for you, and also you're really paying it forward because the more we don't talk about the things that pain us and the things that pain us within ourselves and outside ourselves, like the pain you experience of the people on the street empathetically experiencing that. The the organization Not One More Vet, which you, I'm sure by now, if you weren't already, are very familiar with, I have been humbled by being invited to be on a board of advisors because I think I've done recently, especially after going to the vet conference, a lot of interviews about the issue of the emotional wellness or lack of it in the veterinary field and what those pressures are. And they're hidden, Quan. To the rest of us, a vet is a lucky guy and a lucky gal. What a fun job. What a great job. Isn't that swell? You just get to be around pets all the time. And it's painful and difficult and complicated. And it puts a lot of vets into burnout and into uh, apparently the highest suicide rate of any profession in the country. And I think what you've done when the book is called What It Takes to Save a Life, I think that other vets and vet techs and vet assistants and parents of vets and customers of vets, which is most of us, need to read the book and understand how complex the profession is that you chose and then that you walked away from and then found another door back into. I think that the suffering that you had of having to euthanize dozens and dozens of dogs and kittens every morning when you were a shelter vet that burned you out. You're now on the street and seeing people who themselves could be dead tomorrow because they don't have any resources. I mean, you're there for their pet and you can help the pet to the best of your ability, but their lives are all hanging in the balance, both because of nutrition and uh, hygiene and mental illness and uh, substance issues. It's a huge epidemic in our country, and you are doing something, and 
inspiring other vets to become Project Street Vet vets, you're you're putting hands on in a way. That's how I see it. You're putting hands on and giving hope to those people as well as their pets. And I wonder if it takes a different toll on you to see their suffering, even though you're alleviating their pet suffering. How about the suffering of the people? Is it hard for you, or have you come? Have you made peace with it? I uh, I haven't figured that one out, and I uh, like I said that moment outside of Seven Eleven, which which kicked off the or was the the birth of the so called street vet. When yes. I spontaneously assisted that man and his dog, and just really a random act of kindness. That moment saved me in many ways, and going on to do the work has also saved me because when I'm out there, I I get a very very stark reminder on how easy uh, my, and charmed my life is in so many ways. Things I just daily take for granted, and yes. we all do. Yes, but I just have I have a working automobile. That I <laughs> yeah, can right. Out. I have three meals a day. Yeah, that I can shower when I want to. Yeah, I get reminded of that every time I'm in the streets, and and yes, it. It helps me. It's healing in some ways because I just think back to how fortunate I am and how I, how we all tend to forget that day-to-day, moment-to-moment when we feel sorry for ourselves, when we start complaining about the poor service we got from yeah, a waiter. Right. Yeah. God, really? Yeah, and, really? And that, that ruins our day. I mean, we, we didn't get our lunch on time, and, and now the rest of the afternoon we're just a bear to deal with. And I go on the streets and I see, wait a minute, and and <laughs> – and I've told you this, that people are so positive. They have almost nothing, and they still tell me, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm going to be okay. I still have yes. my health, and yes. I have my pet, and I'm going to be okay. And I just think, wow, if I, if I hear myself complaining, I just, like I told you, someone just slapped me. So that's one side of it, but I will tell you, yes, I do wear some of the emotion, some of the hurt and the heartache. I feel you can't help but but feel that, take it home with you some nights when mm-hmm. I'm sitting at dinner with my own family. I remember some of the cases I saw during the day. And it does at times feel like I'm carrying a little bit of an extra burden that necessarily wasn't mine to carry, but I have found a way to deal with it. I I have a therapist. I'm, um, I speak to friends and family very openly. And, and that's helpful. Right. There was a time where I try and compartmentalize a lot of yes. it when I was a shelter that I would tuck it away and that was damaging. That that just inflated or exacerbated the problem. And so speaking about it, talking about it, we're social beings. I found that when I surround myself with people that care about me and I'm able to talk openly in a trusted space, it's very healing. And so when I, when I share the stories of the streets with other people, it's healing for them too. And so that is a reward for all of us. And, and that is what I tried to share in the book and why I decided to, to write the book is because there is a nugget in the center of all of it that we can all learn from and, and that I learn from every day when I'm out there. There's many nuggets. It's actually a bushel basket of nuggets. And you, you explained it really well, but to me it was just one after another of little moments of grace of you seeing and understanding somebody and their relationship with their pet, but their relationship to the street and to how they got where they are. And you don't pretend to be a social worker and you don't sit as a Freudian, you know, armchair analyst. You're really there for their pets. That's what your training is. 
But as a human, you've allowed yourself to evolve in such a way and to be so open, as you just described, because of having created and found trusted people and spaces for yourself, that you can be open to other people's pain and suffering and their exclamation of, it's not that bad. I mean, I got lunch yesterday. Not that bad. I had something to eat yesterday. And I think it's just really important that that everybody reads this book and understands that we can all be part of other people's healing, whether they're close to us and they're privileged people or they're people in our community who have little or less, and they could be on a slippery slope to having nothing. I don't know what we can do other than express the kindness you do, Quan, because we can't fix the problem. It seems to be getting much, much worse. Encampments in so many cities around the country, drugs that are killing these people who are not taking them to die, but they're being killed by them, and a lot of anger and frustration by the haves against the have-nots. And I just think that your book helps us to all be a little bit, you know, a little bit more like, I don't know, some, not saintly, because that sounds really kind of icky and too gooey, but maybe a little bit of a putting on of hands. And maybe it's just a kind word, a kind thought, a kind gesture. And, you know, as as you and I talked about previously, and let's say again, if you do live in a city and you pass people living with their pets, please don't express compassion for their pets and suggest that the pet would be better off not with them. It's a horrible thing to say, and I think compassion has to start with understanding the, the deep value of these people's relationship, mostly with dogs, some of them with cats. And you respect that so deeply, Quan, and this book celebrates that human-animal bond so well. I hope the rest of us can take a step back and get over ourselves and stop making judgments and criticisms. It's not a problem that any one individual can fix unless you're out there and you're a vet and you want to become a Project Street vet. You can fix a lot of problems. Quan does it every day. Quan, I think the book is remarkable and you're a really good writer and you're also a really honest, decent human being and you have a lot of courage. A lot of courage in the stories that you tell about the people you've met, but especially about yourself and your life and I know you're going to continue to do really remarkable things in this world, and I'm just very grateful to know you. That's all I can say. I appreciate that so much, and you've taken such an interest and a genuine interest in in what I do. It's been very sincere and warming on my end, and I appreciate you taking it out to to all of your listeners. And uh, you know, there's one one final thing I'll leave you with. Um, the still impacts me today. There was. Uh, a lady on the streets that I met uh, finished the exam. We ended up talking for about an hour. I really didn't have to do much for the pet. She was doing everything right. She just wanted to hear from me that she was doing everything right. And when I walked away and I started to pack up my bag and turn away, she she um, stopped me and said, I, I just want to thank you for making me feel like I still matter. And, uh, we can just leave you know. it at that. That's exactly what this book is about and what your work is about. Thank you for being here. Thank you for everything you're doing for those people and for us at the same time. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. 
There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. This show is supported by Wonderside, a company founded and run by a woman entrepreneur who wanted to find an effective natural way to keep fleas, ticks, and other pests away from her pets and home instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes plant-powered products to keep parasites at bay without dousing your pets and property with ingredients that are harmful to them and the planet. The show is also underwritten by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human edible, ethically sourced ingredients and gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They founded and run their own company and have been doing that for 14 years and answer only to their own high standards without interference from venture capital investors. I'm also grateful to Earth Animal, also privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative Dog Chew No Hide and the hybrid dog food Wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky blue Weimarano Maisie will eat. <laughs> 